hey there, everybody. Welcome to Midpoint. The midweek weekly podcast here uh, from Faith City Church, hosted by yours truly, uh, Paul Kosla, the lead pastor, and then our pastoral team, other staff members and guests. We're so excited that you've joined us today. I have to kick this discussion off today um, on a more somber note. So last week, uh, at the end of the week, we got the, I don't know how to describe it other than the horrific news that a mass grave was discovered in Kamloops, BC, at the site of a residential school out there. And for those of you tuning in that aren't really familiar with residential schools, um, they were schools that were created uh, by the government of Canada in partnership with uh, churches that saw students attend the schools from our First Nations. And that's a really polite way of describing it. Um, You can read if you want, if you want to learn a little bit about this, you can just simply Google um, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and you'll get um, the report and website. Uh, but basically, children were were taken away from their families uh, and made to live in these schools. The goal, uh, again, a horrific goal, was to civilize. I think John A. Macdonald said it this way: to civilize the savages. And so, just really heart wrenching, heart wrenching uh, things. Um, and if you're tuning in, we understand that this could be triggering for you. And so, but I just felt strongly, guys, that we needed to to pause and. First, acknowledge that even our church, Faith City Church, we are on the unceded lands of the First Nations here uh, in the Halifax area. That would be the Mi'kmaq, um, and uh, we recognize that today. And we are, as a team, uh, continuing to dialogue about how we can better work towards uh, reconciliation and uh, learn and unlearn, as the case may be, to uh, be better partners in that journey uh, with our friends in the First Nations. Uh, but but I wanted to, to pause today as well to just acknowledge what has happened here in terms of um, the shocking news and, and to discuss this a little bit, um, because I think uh, this is important for the body of Christ. And I think it's important for us as a church uh, on a few different levels. So guys, what do you think? Um, how do you feel? Corey, we'll start with you today, man. Sure, Paul. Thanks. Um, it's 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 almost hard to imagine that within our own country and even with within some of our lifetimes that residential schools have continued and mm-hmm. their impact might be a little larger than we know. If they're at least the very least, and there's more than this, there's at least two thousand young people who are suspected to have passed at schools in Canada, I believe. But that's actually just the known names of ones who have unfortunately not made it back to their homes, to their families. But the truth is it, it goes much deeper than that. And in, in touching and impacting communities, it speaks to a time in Canada's history that honestly um, spoke to the barbaric nature of honestly, our government. And pro- well, sorry, go ahead. No, I don't want to interrupt you there. Finish your thought. No, and just, and just, um, I, I, I feel like I, I am optimistic and I am thankful that um, there are moves towards reconciliation. Um, but just acknowledging that within that process, we really do need to listen. 
Yeah, I I I think that um, you're right. I, I want to respond to your comment there about listening, and I and I think that that's important. And let's hold on to that thought for a few moments. Um, what is shocking to me is um, absolutely that this grave has been unearthed or this grave site, um, and that's traumatic and it's shocking. No no doubt about it. Um, and if you read the, the, the report, which I would encourage anyone to read, um, there's a, a really, a very much readable format of the report that came from the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Their original report is over 4,000 pages, but uh, there is a book by the name of on the, uh, A Knock on the Door, which uh, compiled um, the narratives that are in that report and makes it very readable. Um, and I'd encourage anybody uh, listening to get a hold of that. You can borrow it from the library or purchase it. And what you will understand as you read that is that they actually say, Corey, that um, they estimate the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that 6,000 children lost their lives. Um, and uh, that would include, as you mentioned, there's a, there's a 2,000 of named, and this would estimate, you know, estimate the, the numbers in terms of those that were unnamed as well as the named. And what, what is um, so sad is that the unearthing of this gravesite uh, really confirms that because my understanding from the news is that this gravesite were unnamed children. Um, and and on the on the listening idea um, in talking with uh, Sherry Hassan Ali, um, whom Corey, you'll know, she's come from ISANS to do training here at Face City Church. Sherry mentioned that in her conversations with leaders in the First Nations, you might even remember this, Corey, but she mentioned that um, it's been said that we want to get to reconciliation too quickly. Uh, we don't want to stop with truth. And it was so important that it's truth and reconciliation, because unless we stop and really understand the truth, how can we, how can we be reconciled to one another? And so even today on the podcast, I feel like this is an opportunity to sit with the truth. And the truth is um, 6,000 children. Uh lost their lives. And Ben, we want to come to you for your thoughts. And I guess, you know, the thought in my heart over the weekend was these are the people in our society that Jesus got annoyed with his handlers, his disciples about, because he said, these should be the priority. Don't, don't keep them away from me. These are the people I want to connect with these. The childlike faith is so important. And yet the church was complicit in taking their lives. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it couldn't be sadder. Um, and I think it's the right thing for it to be hard and for us to have to sit in the sadness of it and not brush it away. And like you said, not jump to, Oh, how do we fix this? Make it better. And um, which I think we're, we're, typical to, to try to make that happen. Um, yeah, the reality is that the church has done a huge disservice to our country, to the world and, um, to future believers, uh, because of the, the position that it puts us in as a church to be thinking on the fact that Christians, which we all claim to be, 
have have been a part of uh, this horrible, horrible tragedy. Um, yeah, I one thing I, on a I was really excited when I applied to Faith City Church to see the intentional stance of uh, being anti-racist and uh, the steps that the church had taken. And I think that's something that we need to consistently maintain is not just saying, oh, that's sad and move along in our day, but being extremely intentional about acknowledging that we need to be at the forefront of equity, uh, the forefront of caring for people and the forefront of listening. Uh, And I don't think that us trying to fix things is always the right way to do that. Right. It's never actually. uh, I I think that um, that you've raised some really important points. Uh, And so, you know, for a few minutes, you know, you mentioned it there, Ben, that, you know, the church being a part of this, um, I haven't done enough research to really understand the relationship between the church and the government when it comes to the residential schools. But my understanding, at least my cursory understanding, is that um, it was programming funded by the government, but but it worked outworked by the churches. And, uh, um, you know, at that time, uh, the Catholic Church, United Church, uh, Presbyterian Church, I believe, was involved to an extent um, and perhaps others that I'm not aware of. Uh, but. What I'm uh, what I'm having such difficulty resolving in of my own self, um, and this is not about the denominations at all. I'm talking about the body of Christ today. So, irrespective of the fact that they might have been from a f- certain denomination, um, what I what I'm having such difficulty resolving is how do we get to the place uh, as people who are Christians, and not even just Christians, but in ministry. Uh, to get to the place where like, you know, some of the horrific ways these children died could in any way, shape or form be a part of what we do as a church. Like, you know, and, and, and we don't, I, the only reason today I'm refraining from, you know, talking about the details is because I don't want to, to cause anybody any undue pain or suffering today, but I would suggest people read about it. Um, because you can't fully sit with the truth unless you read about what these um, precious, you know, children went through. So I don't expect you guys to have like the answer on this, but what do you think as, you know, fellow ministers or just as Christians, like, how do we get there? Like, Corey, what do you, what, what do you think? Well, it's when you're talking about the scope of the tragedy, you know, just being mindful that, Every one of those children, they were they were valued by their parents. You know, um, you think that those are stories. Those were brothers, sisters, you know, nieces, nephews, children, part of a family, a community. Um, to know that one culture felt so empowered as to, you know, remove so much of another culture and then to even get to the point where, where honestly, death was a part of the became a part of the processes whether always overtly intended or not, the fact is those children have, there's a reason why they've, they've passed. So asking the question, like how could the church participate in something that is honestly so systemically racist? I think it speaks to the importance of us understanding who we are in Christ 
and not allowing our cultural bias to distort our message of love and hope. And given, you know, it's a journey, but it's one where I think trying to be aware, what are the things pressing in on me right now? What are the pressures pushing in on me right now that would push me to deviate from being about loving God and loving others? I mean, what are those pressures where I would feel justified to maybe step outside of those bounds and then kind of identifying those things might be a place, at least in our minds and our discussion, to kind of put a safe boundary where we could say, you know, I don't think I'm participating. I'm not going to go down that road. And I'm sure there were folks who made that choice within churches. I'm not trying to pretend that every Christian is, has, has hand in hand decided to participate in, you know, the active subjugation of folks. But, but would that be fair to say that I think we just kind of have to have start with an awareness? Because if we lose that, it, we can be directed by all kinds of things that could produce harm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a great point. And I think that um, uh, it, is a horrific reminder. And, and again, we want to sit with the truth of what has happened. Um, so, you know, even though this comment kind of is detached from it, I'm not trying to get away from that. Uh, but I think Corey, what it points to is that this happened, these things can happen. And in our time, maybe there are accountability factors that make that less likely, but there are still horrible things that can happen. And um, we, you know, you come from that uh, history, which, you know, didn't end that long ago. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. And, you know, the other challenges that that take place and failures that take place within the context of the body of Christ. And then you have to wonder how is it that we're positioning ourselves in our society Um, to Ben's point earlier about equity. um, You know, there are some, this is where politics and Christianity and political ideas and Christianity you know, we'll start to come to maybe for some an uncomfortable place because we were, we're saying, you know, we have to be careful to say that there are biblical imperatives. And, and so irrespective of our view of how the government can best function, uh, how we should vote, how we should engage in uh, that whole public square, there are biblical imperatives that transcend that. And I think Ben rightly identified one of them, which is equity. And uh, which is inclusion. Again, uh, another concept that I believe Christ so clearly demonstrates in his interaction, as everybody knows, one of my favorite passages, John four, I talk about it every time I possibly can, but it's such an important demonstration of that. Who am I going to tell I'm the Messiah? Who's the first person? Oh, the person that nobody should have anything to do with, let alone a rabbi of the Jewish faith completely, you know, never should have happened. And so I feel like that's just one of many, but even, even Jesus inviting the children again, is an example of that inclusion and equity. Um, These precious kids have a place and their place is here with me and let me bless them. So I think that um, again, we, we want to move to, okay, let's fix it. Let's, let's fix something. But I don't think that there's anything Uh, In the past that can be fixed, I think all that can be done is to acknowledge uh, and to sit with the truth, as so many uh, people are doing across our country, 
and then to trust that in the future we will come to a place of reconciliation and take steps towards that. Um, any other thoughts, guys, on on this topic? And you know, maybe we actually need to do a whole, you know, uh, podcast episode on on this topic. Um, and as an aside, yeah, I think I think a whole discussion on on this topic specifically would be a good a good dis a good discussion to be having. And I do totally think that the, these incidents are how the disciples viewed children and then some, uh, not how Jesus viewed children. And I, I can only imagine what, if they would have taken the Christ-like attitude towards treating children, then, um, we would have never had the schools, but, um, we also probably would have better relationships with First Nations people. And I think the the sad reality is, is that, and I thought of this when you were saying uh, the, the part about Jesus and the disciples is that the generational trauma that's been created is going to be ongoing. And it's almost like Jesus knew that he, he could see that if you treat children differently and if you you can establish a really, and you, and you see them as children of God, the same way we all are, no matter how old you can really establish great value uh, to people. I agree. Corey, any, any other thoughts that you want to share on this? I, I just think, I think you've articulated that well for us, Ben, you know, um, when we value God and we value people the way God values them, if that's even possible, as best as we can be open to it, we do well. And, and, and Paul, to your point of inclusion, I mean, we, when we value those who perhaps others might not put much value on, we are doing our father's business. Like we are, we are about what we're supposed to be about. So I think that the way that is expressed in at this time, just to harken back to my initial comments, I think it, it really does speak to the need to hear, to hear with our hearts, to really listen and to understand how how this has impacted our first peoples, our, our indigenous brothers and sisters. The school system was a very dramatic experience, um, very tragic experience for many first peoples. Not, I mean, not just first peoples. There were also other other children, of course, who incurred violence and, and whatnot. The the system has emerged and is growing and evolving. Um, but there is no question that we need to allow room. Um, to hear, I think that will speak to how we value people. And then in moving forward, we're, um, we're better informed and we're getting mm. there. We're getting there together. You know, uh, uh, Corey, when you say, uh, like the, the, the point about, you know, edu- the educational system or, or schools and how they're viewed, um, what, what is, what is so shocking? And, and then Corey, I'll invite you maybe to, lead us in a moment of prayer here in a, in a minute, but um, just as we wrap up this part of the discussion, but what is so shocking to me is the systematic nature of the abuse and the deaths that happened, the malnutrition um, that happened in the schools. It, it isn't, uh, you know, a, a crime of, uh, what is it that is said in the legal field, you know, about certain crimes that they're, they're not, they're not premeditated. It like, it, 
it takes us to this place of how does the human mind, let alone the Christian heart, you know, come to that place where so much suffering um, somehow is okay. Uh, and I'm posing that as a question. Like, I just don't, I just don't know, but I do think it's worth slowing down to think about the, the last point I will make is that um, a school um, for my kids is a place where they have such a high level of trust. They trust their teachers. They value their principal. Um, you know, they share with their friends, but it's a place of safety uh, in the community. Um, you know, we've said to our kids, well, if you get into some trouble, you know, you can you run back to your school or tell your teacher. And then the church it is, what is it if it's not a place of safety and trust for people? And what I get, uh, you know, just, again, trying to resolve and think on these things, um, again, the startling nature of uh, both of those institutions, if you will, let me speak of the church that way for a moment, but both of these institutions violated completely um, to Ben's point, for an entire generation plus of individuals, a pl two places where you should be able to go and receive help and kindness and generosity and safety. And my fear is that if we don't, as a as a community, and and you know, speaking for my part specifically within the body of Christ as a minister as a servant, if we don't, as the church, really sit with this and think and contemplate and and listen, as you're saying, Corey, both to our friends in the First Nations and also to the Spirit of God, uh, I fear that we we will not increase in our capacity to love and to really embrace that ministry of reconciliation that Christ has given to us. So. Um, anyway, with that, uh, Corey, we'll invite you to lead us in a word of prayer. And those of you listening, we just invite you to pause with us too and, uh, and, and take a moment to pray. Let's pray. God, as we, as we take a moment to just reflect on you and your great love for people, and for First Peoples and for everyone. Lord, we just recognize that as a church, we have not always done our best, even far from it, in, in showing their love. God, we just recognize that the body of Christ has not always participated fully in the love and life of Christ. And we acknowledge God that there are those who've been hurt and even shattered, lost their lives in political pursuits where the church has been complicit systemically. Father, we just pray for our indigenous brothers and sisters. God, we pray that you will help us as a community to hear them, to hear our brothers and sisters express what they feel needs to be heard and that we will listen. God, I pray that we will be intentionally open to receiving that which we need to hear. And God, that we can go forward, Lord, together in your love, led by your spirit, 
God, we thank you that we have this time to pause and reflect today. Lord, we pray you would just be so very close to those families and those communities that are hurting today. Lord, we need you. We thank you that you're there. And we trust, Father God, for your very best for each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 